This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500 500. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Coming up, a trip to Mexico for cosmetic surgery ends in the deadly kidnapping of four Americans and security concerns. With everything that's happening, you never know. Testimony on Capitol Hill over that toxic train derailment in Ohio. Why are my community members and my family getting sick? In the Kaleidoscope with Allison Key's segment, The Killings of Transgender People in the Nation. Us trans women, you know you want to come out the house because we're in fear that we will be next. I'm Allison Keyes in the Washington Bureau. A terrifying situation in Mexico as four Americans are kidnapped by a cartel in a border town and two of them are killed on a trip to get cosmetic surgery. A Mexican woman also died. Now five people are being held. CBS's Christian Benavides with the latest. Well, look, what happened was that you had uh, four Americans that traveled into uh, Matamoros, which is a border town just across from Brownsville, Texas. Two Americans were killed, uh, two survived, one of them was injured. All of this happens as uh, one of these Americans, Latavia McGee, is going there essentially for cosmetic surgery, a cosmetic procedure, something that, by the way, thousands of Americans do. And as they're in Matamoros, there's some sort of gunfight that uh, has broken out, a Mexican citizen, a bystander who was walking in in the street was killed um and you also had these four americans who were in in a vehicle and um we now know again two of them are dead uh two survived one of them with gunshot wounds to the leg the four were found at essentially a stash house that's believed to to belong to the gulf cartel in uh, mexico And the Gulf Cartel has sent a letter basically apologizing for all of this, and they've turned over some people to the local authorities? Those individuals were found uh, essentially 
tied up and uh, police took them into custody along with a vehicle. So because it's so difficult to do journalism in Mexico, you well, all we have is this information that was put out there allegedly by this uh, cartel group. And uh, and that's that's essentially, you know, where we stand. But we have to see what Mexican officials will eventually come out and, and confirm from all of this, because everything is in flux here. And that that's really what uh, the bottom line is, that because it's difficult to do journalism because of what's happening in Mexico, the security situation. It's um, it's always unclear what what the what the truth is. So and this is a place where the State Department told Americans not to go. Right. Yeah. There's a the strictest travel warning telling Americans not to go by the State Department. But it's not uncommon for Americans to travel to Mexico for medical procedures. More than a million traveled there last year. Uh, for health tourism, they spent over two hundred fifty million dollars. It's um, it's just it just sort of speaks to the uh, health situation that we have here in the states, and uh, just because you're so close to the border with Mexico, healthcare is so much cheaper. One of our uh, one of our affiliates spoke to a man who was heading over across the border saying that his medicine here in the States would cost about $65 and uh, buying an inhaler was uh, $2 across the border. So people are willing to to take that risk because of the cost. CBS's Christian Benavides. Another Norfolk Southern train derailed Thursday in Alabama, this time with no reports of injuries or hazardous materials. But federal investigators have opened a probe into the company's safety practices after five serious incidents since December of 2021. This as the railroad CEO was on Capitol Hill answering questions over that toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. This was the scene in Calhoun County, Alabama, after another Norfolk Southern train derailed. There is no hazardous material leak. There is no risk at all to the public. The train was the fourth operated by Norfolk Southern to derail in the last five weeks. Your company will pay for the harm that it has caused. It happened just hours before senators from both parties grilled CEO Alan Shaw. I want to begin today by expressing how deeply sorry I am over the February 3rd toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. People are aware that these chemicals cause lymphoma and leukemia and cancers. Residents of East Palestine are complaining about all sorts of, of, of health issues. What's right is to cover their health care needs. Will you do that? Everything is on the table, sir. The railroad should be held responsible. We first met Jamie Koza over a month ago when she and her daughter evacuated from East Palestine after the derailment. My major concern right now is just for everyone's health. After attending, she's still concerned. I wanted concrete answers and not just this vague, I'm going to make it right. Answers to which questions? Why are my community members and my family getting sick? We want long-term medical care for um, our citizens, not just within the community, but the wider community, too. And we want to make sure that, you know, Norfolk pays 100 percent of this. A spokesperson for another Senate committee told CBS News that CEO Alan Shaw will appear before another Senate hearing on rail safety in about two weeks. 
Roxana Saberi, CBS News, East Palestine, Ohio. Sexual assaults are up at military academies in the U.S. CBS's Cammie McCormick. The numbers aren't good. Unfortunately, uh, this year's report shows a significant increase in sexual assault prevalence at the military service academies. Beth Foster of the Defense Force Resiliency Office. This is the highest sexual assault estimated prevalence rate for both women and men at the military service academies since the department started measuring this in 2006. The report found one in five female students said they'd experienced unwanted sexual contact last year, an 18% jump over the previous school year. Turning now to the cuckoo crazy in parts of New Orleans. <laughs> Residents of St. Rock say the chickens have been roaming their neighborhood for years. I've been seeing the chickens, I want to say, for about 26 years. And they keep multiplying. Not the same one, because people eat them when they catch them. And they take care of them. If I don't feed them the day before, they'll come underneath my, my, my bedroom and they'll stay in there. Mama, come on out here and feed us these doggone, these doggone food. So where are they coming from? From an egg. Well, clearly, but the strange thing is they have no idea where those eggs are. No, no one's know where the lady is. But they say it doesn't matter. They're great neighbors to have. Now, they're very good. They don't fight with nobody. They don't try to bite nobody. Stacy Lynn. They're my, my babies. They're my babies, and I love them so much. CBS News. Coming up, weather woes in California again. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. A graphic report of a Department of Justice investigation finds a history of constitutional rights violations in the Louisville Police Department, from discrimination against black people to the use of invalid warrants and excessive force and mistreatment of sex assault and domestic violence victims. The probe, which began over the police killing of Breonna Taylor, a black woman fatally shot in her own home in 2020, is one of many of law enforcement agencies across the nation. CBS's Jeff Begays with details. This conduct is unacceptable. It is heartbreaking. The scathing DOJ report concluded that the Louisville Metro Police Department doesn't always protect and serve, but instead often disrespects the people it is sworn to protect. Among the investigation's findings, officers treat blacks and whites differently. While driving, blacks are nearly four times as likely to be cited for improperly tinted windows and five times more for improper tags. The abuses extend to the treatment of the disabled and even sex assault victims. The report also said that officers often use excessive force such as neck restraints, canines, and tasers. Some have videotaped themselves throwing drinks at pedestrians from their cars insulted people with disabilities, and called black people monkeys. Louisville Mayor Greg Greenberg. We will not make excuses. We will make changes. 
the DOJ investigation was prompted by the death of Breonna Taylor, who was killed in her own home by police officers who were executing a no-knock search warrant on the wrong location in March of 2020. Tamika Palmer is Taylor's mother. I don't even know what to think, to know that this, this thing shouldn't have never happened and that it took three years for anybody else to say that it shouldn't have. Currently, there are 11 open DOJ investigations of police departments or units nationwide, among them Minneapolis, added in the wake of George Floyd's death. The Justice Department added Memphis following Tyree Nichols' death two months ago. In announcing the investigation of the Memphis Police Department, the Department of Justice also announced that it will be reviewing the actions of the specialized units across the country. A lot of cities have them to fight rising crime. And in Memphis, it is the Scorpion unit that is accused in connection with Tyree Nichols' death. Jeff Begay's CBS News, Washington. Now to California, where flood warnings and advisories took effect Friday for some areas, including the San Francisco Bay and Sacramento Valley. And evacuation warnings are in place for some mountain communities as a new atmospheric river pounds areas still digging out from earlier storms. The governor has declared states of emergency in more than 30 counties. The rain is already drenching Northern California, causing creeks to swell, with high winds littering streets with debris and knocking down trees. In Donner Lake, it was a race against time to remove several feet of snow from rooftops. If you leave all this snow here and you get rain on top of that, it's gonna be really heavy and it could collapse the roof. It could, yeah. That's exactly what happened to this RV storage facility, the roof crumpling under the weight of the snow. But most of California is prepping for another battle, the rapid snow melt, which could create dangerous flood conditions. Authorities have ordered evacuations in Santa Cruz County, which is expecting as much as eight inches of rain. But this homeowner says he's staying put. We want to be here when the flood happens just to help, you know, to see if we can mitigate anything. First responders are activating Swiftwater rescue teams. One week you got people making snow rescues, the next week you got people prepared to hit the boats. Absolutely, that's kind of the nature of the beast. It's been the best of times and the worst of times for California's reservoirs. There's two kinds of water emergencies, when you have too much and when you have too little. And sometimes we have to worry about both in the same year. This particular storm could bring up to five inches of rain here in Placerville and several rivers across the state are expected to meet or exceed flood stage. And then the wet weather is expected to continue into next week. Carter Evans, CBS News, Placerville, California. The nation's airlines hired nearly 50,000 new employees last year, but the industry is still struggling to find qualified pilots these days. So United Airlines has organized its own training course to solve the problem. We're flying. Ricky Foster's dream of becoming an airline pilot is really taking off after completing basic pilot training outside Phoenix. I feel like an eagle up here. <laughs> like you're soaring. I feel like I'm soaring. We first met the former flight attendant and mother of two last year when she was among the 51 future flyers in the inaugural class of United's Aviate Academy. It's part of the airline's effort to address the continued pilot shortage and diversify a workforce that is overwhelmingly white and male. This first graduating class is 80% woman or minority. 
your graduating class looks nothing like a flight school anywhere else. No, it looks nothing like the industry, but guess what it does look like? It does look like the demographic we serve. It looks like our passengers. Airlines are hiring thousands of employees as travel demand has roared back from pandemic lows. Josh Azuha left his job as a Denver area police officer to attend Aviate. The next step for me is to instruct here at the United Aviate Academy as a flight instructor and build my hours uh, before ultimately hopefully transitioning to the airlines. And there'll likely be a job waiting for him. United expects major U.S. carriers will need 10,000 new pilots this year alone, but only have about 6,600 qualified candidates. CBS's Chris Van Cleve. In Newark, New Jersey, civil rights pioneer Harriet Tubman, nicknamed Moses for the people that she helped to escape slavery, was celebrated with a new monument this week. It's in a city square that now bears her name. Abolitionist Harriet Tubman marched to her own drum, and that's how she was celebrated. The soaring 25-foot monument was a two-year project inspired by this iconic image of Tubman. Her life story is part of an audio installation. She followed the North Star. Narrated by singer and actor Queen Latifah, who was born in Newark. What is it that you hope people take away from hearing about Harriet Tubman's story? I hope they take away renewed strength, inspiration, humanity, compassion. You know, what, what Harriet Tubman did was about freedom, was about compassion for those who did not have it. Tubman escaped slavery and risked her freedom to lead about 70 enslaved people by the Underground Railroad, a network of safe houses that led north, including this church in Newark with hidden tunnels. At the site, visitors will learn Tubman was also a spy in the Union Army and an advocate for women's rights and the elderly. Monument designer Nina Cook-John placed a mosaic of Tubman's face at eye level intentionally. You can look into her eyes and touch her face and connect to her humanity. It could be your mother, your aunt, your grandmother. And in so doing, be that much more inspired by her. Elaine Quijano, CBS News, Newark, New Jersey. Coming up, a rare mass shooting in Europe. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. In Germany, a rare mass shooting killed six people Thursday in that nation's second largest city, Hamburg. CBS's Holly Williams. At a press conference, German officials confirmed that the shooter was a 35-year-old man. They say he was a former member of the Jehovah's Witness congregation that he targeted and had no criminal record. Cell phone video appears to show the shooting in progress. With several bursts of gunfire. Inside the Jehovah's Witness Hall, there was reportedly a Bible study session. But we still don't know why that was the target. German police sealed off the area and armed officers stormed the building. Survivors were evacuated and searched. The police now say the shooter acted alone and was one of those found dead. There were probably 25 shots at least, and after the police got there, there was no gunfire for a long time, said this witness. Then after five minutes or so, there was a single shot. I saw seriously injured people, dead people wrapped up in bags, said this man. It was very hard to see. 
Mass shootings are rare here in Europe, where gun ownership laws are much stricter than in the US. That only makes this deadly rampage more shocking. German officials say the gunman had a sport shooting license to carry the pistol he used. Police also say they'd previously received an anonymous letter warning them that the shooter may have undiagnosed mental health issues. Holly Williams, CBS News, London. The White House is calling for an independent investigation over a wave of poisonings in Iran that appear to be targeting girls in the wake of last summer's anti-government protest. Teenage schoolgirls across Iran laid out in school courtyards, loaded into ambulances, and laboring to breathe at hospitals. Since Saturday, a spike in suspected chemical or biological attacks that started last November. Iranian officials say more than 1,200 girls across at least 60 schools have been affected across the country. Students describe the smell of something burning, numbness and temporary paralysis. Hamish de Breton Gordon is a British chemical weapons expert. Tear gas, um, particularly badly made tear gas, would create these sort of uh, symptoms without killing people and possibly other chemicals like sulfur dioxide, and some people have also suggested nitrogen dioxide. Even Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, weighed in, saying if true, those behind this unforgivable crime should be sentenced to death. But on the streets of Tehran, some are accusing the government of state terrorism against its own people. Possible revenge for the popular wave of women-led anti-regime protests since last summer. Sparked by the death of Mahsa Amini while in custody of Iran's morality police for improperly wearing her head covering. I think you cannot underestimate the psychological impact of using chemical and biological weapons. Any young girl in Iran thinking about protesting in future may well think twice if they think they're going to be potentially gassed because of that. Basically, it is to silence protesters and to instill fear. Absolutely. And those still trying to protest despite crackdowns so far, no matter the age, can suffer. Ramey Innocencio, CBS News, London. This week, the leaders of the nation's intelligence agencies testified before Congress about threats to the U.S. from around the world. Lawmakers had plenty of questions for U.S. intelligence chiefs about the dangers Americans face from countries around the world, but especially the threats coming from China. Needless to say, the People's Republic of China, which is increasingly challenging the United States economically, technologically, politically and militarily around the world, remains our unparalleled priority. The intelligence agency leaders testified about threats from China, including the infamous spy balloons, cyber threats, and even the intelligence report, which laid out the possibility that the coronavirus originated at a lab in Wuhan. The FBI has long assessed, going all the way back to the summer of of 2021, that the origin of the pandemic was likely a lab incident in Wuhan. Lawmakers also wanted to hear the latest on the possibility that China could provide weapons to Russia to help in its invasion of Ukraine. During the past year, the threat has been additionally complicated by a deepening collaboration with Russia, which also remains an area, obviously.
of intense focus for the intelligence community. While weapons of war remain a concern, cyber threats pose new challenges that governments are still struggling to catch up with. New technologies, particularly in the field of AI and biotechnologies, are being developed and proliferating faster than companies and governments are able to shape norms governing their use. Lawmakers also laid out their concern that user data from TikTok gives China a popular weapon in the cyber war. Nicole D'Antonio, CBS News, Capitol Hill. This Sunday at the Oscars, the film Navalny is favored to win Best Documentary. It's about Russian President Vladimir Putin's most prominent opponent, Alexei Navalny, who has been in prison for two years. CBS's Steve Futterman. In the 90-minute documentary, we see Alexei Navalny in different lights. I don't want Putin being president. I don't want him being czar of Russia. I want to go back and try to change it. We see him survive a poison attack and then return voluntarily to Russia, where he remains in prison. I think one of his great strengths is his his, uh, command of social media. Um, But he's never made a film before, and I don't think he fully understood the power and virtue of a film project. And that's what I had to explain to him. The film has received numerous awards. Daniel Rohr is the film's director. I was very impressed by Navalny's charisma. He, He is a super charismatic guy. You want to root for him. You want to like him. And then his vast knowledge of politics and public policy. He is in his heart a public policy wonk. He's such a nerd. The most moving part of the film is Navalny returning to Russia, where he's immediately arrested. He wanted to go back to set an example. How could he ask people to protest, to take to the streets, to risk their lives if he was sitting somewhere in Western Europe? He had to go back because that was the only way he felt he could stay relevant in the Russian political um, uh, ecosystem. And should the film win on Sunday night, Daniel Rohr hopes to send this message to millions watching around the world. In a sense, it's a once-in-a-lifetime platform. What will you say to those people watching? What will you want them to know about this film and this man, and maybe about his opponent, Vladimir Putin? I think Navalny's essential message and what I would remind the world is that we cannot look away. We cannot stand down from authoritarianism and autocracy wherever it rears its head. That's Navalny's essential message. And if I'm if there's a reason for me to give remarks on Sunday night, I think that's what I might speak to. Steve Futterman, CBS News, Los Angeles. Coming up in the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes segment, An Epidemic of Killings. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes segment, where every week we discuss issues including inequality. This time, LGBTQ advocates are sounding an alarm over what some call an epidemic of murders of transgender people, including three black trans women killed in Milwaukee in nine months. The latest to die was 31-year-old Cashay Henderson, and at a candlelight vigil, this mortar said, Us trans women do not even want to come out the house because we're in fear that we will be next. Joining us from the Human Rights Campaign, Senior Research Manager Charlie Floor. Cashay Henderson was a 31-year-old Black trans woman. Um, she was shot on February 26th um, of this year. Um, she was discovered when firefighters were responding to a fire that had been set in her apartment unit. 
Um, her death is at least the sixth violent killing of a trans person this year. And like, as you noted, she has been the third killing of a black trans woman in Milwaukee in just the past nine months. Um, we often say at least, um, what, for example, when I said at least the sixth violent killing of this year, because too often these deaths actually go unreported or misreported. Um, but what we do know, um, really loving to focus on the joy of the folks that have been taken away from us. Um, her her friends and her family and her loved ones described her as a bubbly spirit with a down to earth, um, tell it like it is personality. Um, so and as they described as beautiful inside and out. Um, this epidemic, it's it's really difficult to know the exact numbers to how much worse this is getting. What we do know is that from 2013, when HRC first started um, tracking this data internally, um, more and more cases are being identified um, with uh, 2021 being the year in which we identified the most cases of uh, violent killings. Um, I, I would say that uh, the current cultural and political climate is definitely contributing to rates of violence against um, trans and gender nonconforming people, and that that is one of the largest explanations for, for why we're seeing increases in violence against the community. I'm going to come back to the political climate in just a moment, but for people that don't have any understanding of this, why is it that so many of these trans women who are being killed are Black and Latina? I think at the core of this is a compounding aspect of um, their identities. Um, holding multiply marginalized identities opens people up to just various levels of um, challenges that can ultimately lead to violent and deadly situations. Um, it right. This isn't just direct stigma. It's all the social and structural barriers that um, uphold like many of the tenets of our society and our our nation. Um, it's lack of access to power, status, resources um, that place folks at risk of like economic security, lack of federal housing protections, um, decade of lack role. Uh, decades of lack of federal employment protections um, that have pushed trans people out of the formal economy. Um, all these things combine together and worsen for people as they're dealing with the layers of racism, sexism, and transphobia all at once. Okay, let me ask you something else. The uh, HRC Human Rights Campaign released a statement saying that you were both saddened and infuriated by this. I understand saddened. Tell me about the infuriated. We're infuriated by this because it it keeps happening. And when you see lives being lost, it it becomes some I feel this, I feel a sense of inf being of infuriation as a trans person myself. Um, watching people like me who have their lives taken away and in, in a way that is almost casual, um, like we're disposable, like we don't matter, but our lives do matter. Um, the lives of Black trans women matter. Um, and there, there's really no more time left to not act. Like we have to act and we have to do something to stop these lives from being taken. So what do you do to stop this? I mean, if I, if I read somewhere that there have been anti-LGBTQ laws, laws against drag, you know, law, laws against the community for over a hundred years, starting all the way back in San Francisco. How do you fix this? That is definitely not an easy task. I will say like the existing wave of anti-trans legislation in the U.S. is 
both a reflection of long-held bias and discriminatory beliefs about trans people. Um, and what we're seeing is that officials essentially want to either legislate us out of existence or they want to legislate us out of um, public life. And that just gives so much room for this rich soil to allow like thoughts and acts of violence um, aimed at trans people to, to grow. Um, leading to to these parts of violence i i think one of the most critical things here is first to up uplift stories of trans joy um and and positive aspects of like trans people where your neighbors your friends your colleagues um we're just like you we just want to live a life just like you um there's no need to fear us um a lot of these bills are trying to um speak to people's fears um but it there's nothing to fear about trans people. We're, we're just like everybody else. How do you respond to the lawmakers, many of whom are Republican, and activists who are saying, well, these laws, these laws against drag shows, these laws against gender-affirming surgery are all to protect children, to keep them from being sexualized or harmed in some way? My response to these, to, to these proposed laws um, and how they're aimed at protecting children. Um, protecting children is it something we should do, absolutely. These types of bills inherently play to fears and discriminatory and stigmatizing thoughts about trans people, the queer community, and actually ultimately end up hurting um, queer and trans kids uh, in, the, in the process and don't actually protect anyone. Um, they also hurt um, kids who aren't transgender. They hurt kids um, who aren't uh, LGBTQ plus, um, and, and the the real question here is whether or not we're going to create laws that are discriminatory, or if we're going to um, create laws and policies on issues in ways that actually protect um, children. I'm curious because some people have said that they think part of the reason behind this spate of laws, and I seem to think that there are nearly 400 of them around the nation over just in the last year or so, is about LGBTQ community and trans people in particular being more visible. So therefore, people are like, oh, we've got to protect against this. But wouldn't more visible make it more normalized, right? For, so people aren't like, oh my God, who is that? Um, back to the point I said earlier about trans joy and positivity, not all visibility is good. Um, when so much of the visibility right now is painting, for example, um, trans people uh, as abnormal, um, there's depictions of us that portray us as mentally ill. Those are just false depictions of us. They're negative depictions. They allow for stigmatizing beliefs uh, to develop about us. What we need is positive visibility of trans people. Um, it's it's that trans person who's a baker in a local town who's been you know making um, sweets and goods for their community for decades. It's the the trans person who's an inventor. It's the trans person who is a is a teacher um, and is like respected by their community. Um, we need to tell the positive stories, the stories that show that trans people are just like everyone else um, and that we want the same things as everyone else. Um, we just want dignity and respect. Let me ask you, you are a trans woman of color. How afraid are you personally? Um, so I... So I'm I'm not personally a trans woman of color. I am a white trans woman. Um, 
I think trans women of color, like you can look at the data, um, what we already know, and you can tell that this is something that has particularly been impacting Black trans women. Black trans women are um, living in fear. Um, they don't feel like they can go out their houses and live a daily life. Um, I don't have those same, same experiences, but I can tell you that when I am out of my house and when I'm walking to the store or if I'm out and about with my boyfriend, I um, look over my shoulder um, more than once, um, waiting for the moment that someone uh, decides that they're going to have a problem with me and that my life will be viewed as less than worthy and it might be at risk of being taken away from me. Let me just ask you one more question. I saw a study, I think a couple of months ago, that discussed how terribly this has been affecting LGBTQ people, young people in particular, who are seeing all of this. They're seeing the laws coming out against them, and it's causing a higher risk of suicide. Is that what your research shows as well? Um, research shows that rates of suicide among um, trans youth in particular are um, higher than most other groups um, in the nation. It's from from a research perspective, because I am a researcher, um, there is that showing that direct link between two things is really difficult. Um, but there is, an, there is without a doubt an association between um, the legislation we're seeing across the United States and um, greater associated rates of suicide ideation and attempted suicide. Just one more. If someone in this community needs help, where should they go? What what should they do? Reach out to their local community um, centers. They can always, and this this is something that is so beautiful about the LGBTQ plus community and especially the trans community is that chosen family is so important. Um, looking out for each other, um, you know, reach out to your loved ones, tell them how you're feeling, what's going on, be open um, about that um, with, e with each other. And also it's a wonderful time. Um, we are in the month in which Trans Visibility Day is um, at the end of this month. Um, this is the month for allies to really think about like what they're doing to step up and show up and show everyone that they know transgender people, they like transgender people, um, and that we are people who are deserving of dignity and respect just like everyone else on this planet. That's senior research manager Charlie Floor at the Human Rights Campaign. Coming up, Screaming for Ice Cream. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keys. There's new research causing quite the buzz for insect fans. It seems bumblebees aren't just pretty, but they're smart. New research suggests there's more to the humble bumblebee than meets the eye. We've missed some really fascinating capabilities found among even tiny invertebrates. They have brains the size of a pinhead, yet they're still able to produce this behavior. If a wise man learns from the mistakes of others, these are some brainy bees. 
Scientists at Queen Mary University in London trained a bumblebee to push a red tab on a wheel to reach a sugary treat. Other bees watched and quickly copied the skill using the same method 98% of the time. What this created was like a trend, a fashion trend, or in uh, animal behavior terms, a tradition. And researchers now believe there could be even more instinctive insects in the animal kingdom. I think it shows that we're not alone on the planet, that there are kinds of alien civilizations right around us. But at least for now we know that for busy bees, it's about working smarter, not harder. Ian Lee, CBS News, London. If you have kids, you likely already know how worried they are about the global climate crisis. But now there's something they can do about it. National Environment correspondent David Schechter explains. In Chelsea, Massachusetts, just outside Boston, there's so much jet fuel, road salt and heating oil stored on the river. It's hard for some residents to even get close to the water when you're young. That's the kind of thing you notice. You wouldn't see that in a white neighborhood. You wouldn't see any industries, any like smoke, any pollution. Because a lot of like the teenagers in Chelsea lived in Chelsea since they were children. These high school students are environmental activists at a nonprofit called Green Roots. I feel like adding more green space would help people in Chelsea go out more. They work alongside adults advocating for environmental justice in their hometown. I hope that they would understand and get a chance to experience that people will take them seriously when they speak to concerns and they speak to the problems that they are facing. With a group like this so focused on environmental problems in their neighborhood, it should come as no surprise that they're also worried about climate change. We impact not just ourselves, but the whole world. They know that the world is going to get to be a harder, darker, scarier place, and imagining themselves in that world feels really scary for them. Dr. Sarah Schwartz is a professor of psychology at Suffolk University. She's been researching a phenomenon called climate change anxiety. Climate change anxiety, I think, is an appropriate and normal response to what is going on on our earth, on our globe. I think we need to recognize it as, um, as something that a lot of people are experiencing. This study published last year collected attitudes about climate change from 10,000 young people from around the world. Across all countries, 59% of youth said that they were very or extremely worried about climate change. And when it comes to how they're feeling, 62% reported anxious, 67% said sad, and 67% said afraid. The survey asked young people to respond to statements like this. The future is frightening, yes or no? Yes, the future is frightening because, you know, we see how all this has happened in such a short amount of time. And if we look into the very future without any change, it's not looking that good for us, no. People have failed to take care of the planet. Yes, the trash island, the oceans, it's not really a clean place. I am hesitant to have children, yes or no? Yes. I don't want them like catching asthma or like having to worry so much about their health. Yes, due to the fact that it just brings anxiety. 
Dr. Schwartz says activism may be an effective way for kids to deal with those feelings. So you can flip that one over. Her research found engaging in activism, like these students building a pop-up park in their neighborhood, may help prevent symptoms of depression. Our research does suggest that um, climate activism may serve as some sort of buffer protective effect for climate change anxiety. And being part of that feels like I'm part of the solution. Yeah, yeah, I'm part of the solution and um, there's a whole lot of people with me doing this, so I, I'm not alone with my worries. That feels right to these young activists. And I think that if there's more people like this working towards a better future, I feel like there can be a change. It helps me deal with it like I'm not the only one. Is there are moments where you're just like, wow, nothing's ever gonna change, but then there's also that small feeling that there's still hope that people will change, that people will come together to help save humanity. Hope. It's not a strategy for tackling the challenges of climate change, but for a younger generation, it may be the best place to start. I'm David Schechter, CBS News. Concerns about the climate are also affecting people's food choices. Brian Cateman's typical lunch is completely different than what he used to eat. I am making a lentil mushroom soup. He largely cut out meat after learning how damaging it is for the environment. Nearly 15% of all greenhouse emissions come from meat production. It takes a lot of resources. You think of the land, you think of the water, you think all, all the food you have to feed to the animals. Kateman turned his own curiosity about eating less meat into a documentary and coined the term reducitarian, meaning cutting back, not cutting out. I think it's a more tolerable idea to cut back rather than necessarily go vegan or vegetarian. The food production industry is paying attention to these trends, trying to latch on to younger customers. For Kateman, it starts with a swap. I eat the same foods that I love, but I just swap in plant-based ingredients. That's CBS's Michael George reporting. Finally, it might not count as veggie, but this ice cream novelty will either make you say, yay, or ew. CBS's Deborah Rodriguez explains. Move over, mac and cheese ice cream. Come with us to Hidden Valley. Ranch dressing's about to give you a run for your money. Hidden Valley's just unveiled a new collaboration with Brooklyn-based Van Leeuwen for Ranch Dressing Ice Cream. Limited edition pints promise to deliver the savory flavor of ranch with buttermilk, flavorful herbs, and a touch of sweetness. The company recommends topping your scoop with crushed pretzels or potato chips for a perfect salty crunch. Two years ago, Van Leeuwen's Kraft Macaroni and Cheese-flavored ice cream was a sellout. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. That's it for the Weekend Roundup. Thanks for listening. We want to get your feedback. Send us your thoughts and story ideas to Weekend Roundup at cbsnews.com. As always, you can find the program online on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. The Weekend Roundup is produced at the CBS News Washington Bureau. Sarah Fishman is the technical supervisor at Alan Peng provides production assistance. Tara Lipinski is the executive producer. Have a great week. I'm Allison Keyes, CBS News. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. 
I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.